Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action. I can guarantee you it's one area of the building I won't be using because we all know how little time I'm spending in any weight room. A lot of crazy scenarios that can happen and need to happen for the defending MAC tournament champions. Uh, the assist numbers spoke for themselves. Looking forward to the trip down to Akron. Uh, sure, Akron. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all. Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. We hope you had a spectacular end of 2020 and your 2021 is off to a great start. We are back in full force. This is the Eastern Insider Podcast. I'm Greg Steiner. And I'm Alex Jewell. We've had plenty of basketball to get you through a break, but now it's time to get into the meat of EMU Athletics 2021 schedule. We've got volleyball coming. We've got gymnastics. We've got track. We've got golf. Swimming and diving's back. Anything and everything you can ask for will be coming up really soon throughout this month, Alex. But plenty of basketball in this show that we'll talk to you about. But first, let's check back on kind of the break that was. How was your, your holiday? Well, I think you just said it, Greg. We're giving away high-level competition like Oprah gave away TVs. So it's going to be exciting month of January, uh, February, and so on throughout the year. We say exciting now, but I think maybe within the next couple of months, we're going to be saying, holy cow, we just had seven days of stuff, uh, athletics, which is crazy. But at the end of the day, first and foremost, it goes back to the point of we didn't think this was going to happen right. a couple of months ago. So the fact that we're here, we're, we're getting these games in is important. At this point, I think it's just blinders on, head down, stay as safe as you can, and just try to get these things railed off because we still know that there's an ongoing pandemic. We just never know how far we'll get. But until then, we're not going to dwell in the negativity. We're going to be happy that we have sports as far as break goes, Greg. Well, it was a good one. Women's basketball played a few times, so got to cover them. Uh, a few times from the comfort of home. Didn't make the trip down to Vegas. But you know what? The next best thing is watching on a big screen TV and sitting on the couch, too, enjoying some family time. Of course, uh, as socially distanced as possible. If uh, our Governor Whitmer is listening, don't worry, uh, Gretch. We uh, took care of business that way and are feeling good. Did a, a turkey and a ham on Christmas dinner. So that was uh, spectacular as well. And then, uh, you know, my aunt uh, was in from New Hampshire and she owns a bakery, Greg. So the uh, dessert table was well stocked this year. Not that it usually isn't. It all comes back to food over the holidays. And yeah, glad that you had an enjoyable break because now it's time to get back to business and the season at hand. We've seen men's basketball have some troubles with COVID as of late due to some COVID cancellations. They will not be playing as scheduled on Tuesday against the University of Akron. That game has been moved back to Saturday. So this Saturday the 9th, it'll be EMU men's basketball against Akron, a 2 p.m. tip here in the Convocation Center. Women's basketball back in action on Wednesday as they'll get things going against the University at Buffalo on uh, at seven o'clock from the convocation center then they're on the road this weekend but they've had a tough stretch uh the last few days and we'll get into it with with tom helmer uh momentarily but both teams have really played some tough competition yeah i mean it's easy to look at the the record and say you know a tough stretch but i, I think if you were to 
really deep dive deep. You look at the game earlier in December, December 11th, that women's basketball had against Bowling Green. Well, Bowling Green's off to the best start they've had in nearly a decade. They just knocked off a Ball State team who you know is a perennial favorite in this league. Well, they beat them by 35 on Saturday. So, uh, you know, to be right down into the wire with them and have a chance to win, it's just a shot here or there. Kent State, same story for women. Uh, Kent State's a good team. Todd Starkey is no joke. In fact, Kent State came in here with a lot of energy because Todd Starkey literally said, hey, whoa, 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 we were pretty offended that we were picked sixth in this league, one spot behind Eastern Michigan. And guess what? They they got the better end of the Eagles. But uh, same thing on the men's side. Uh, you know, uh, Todd Kowalczyk over at Toledo always has good squads, Greg. And and the same with, with Keno at Central. You know, they've struggled against Rob Murphy and the Eagles, but have a really good roster this year. So the bottom line is, do you like the losses? No, but it's early in the season. There's for this men's team, especially we haven't seen them get to play as a full team. Yep. So we're hoping to see that coming forward. And if you're the women, you've got to be comforted by the fact that a person like Sonera Skanes has not only been good, she's been one of the best players in the country. Ariana Combs is certainly one of the best players in the country. Uh, so you think about that and know that you're resting a little bit easier at night saying, ah, if we need to write the ship a little bit, at least we have people that are entering the record book in almost every game. On this show, we we teased and said that Tom Helmer is our guest. He's our guest today, and one of two guests that we'll have in this show is Tom. Of course, everybody knows him from his EMU football sideline reporting. He's also now taken over as the basketball voice on WEMU Radio. So we get Tom's perspective on how that transition's been, his thoughts on both the men's and women's teams, and what he thinks of broadcasting in an empty arena during the pandemic. So uh, a, a good conversation as always with the voice of the Eagles. And then I know you have a chance to sit down with one of the newest folks to join women's basketball. I do. It's a basketball heavy show today. And that finishes up with Malika Willis. For those that don't know, uh, newest assistant coach for Fred Castro. She was hired alongside with Katie Hempen this year, who was elevated from her, her role as a director of ops. And let me tell you, Greg, Malika Willis, can recruit. In fact, she can recruit so good that I think Chris Creighton might be thinking about giving her a call someday because she's put together seven. Yep, that's right. Seven top 25 recruiting classes in her stops. She's been at places like Northfolk State, West Virginia, and they've been fantastic. Texas Tech, the list goes on and on. And so to deep dive with her about not only why she chose Eastern Michigan, but the intangible things about this university that she's going to be latching onto to bring student athletes here for years to come. Uh, it's really an incredible interview. And you said it with Tom, uh, always such good perspective. And listen, we tell you guys all the time, and it's the absolute truth. The goal here is to bring you inside the locker room, give you inside access to what you might not be able to see on your own. And let me tell you, Tom does such a good job at explaining those tunnels, if you will, of his conversation with coaches and and how that process works. He takes you right inside of it all. So, Greg, just an absolutely spectacular show if you're a basketball fan. It really is. Don't forget, we still have so much for you and reasons to listen on this show. Not only do you still have chances to win by hearing the big keyword during this broadcast, we also have some great guests upcoming, uh, guys like Steve Hawkins, the former coach at Western Michigan. He'll be our guest upcoming as we'll talk to him this week, he'll be a guest commentator for the men's game coming up this weekend. We'll also hear from Danny Rogers, who will be a fill-in guest as well 
on Wednesday's broadcast as an up-and-coming analyst uh, for uh, you to hear. But we'll also hear from from all the coaches that will be starting their season, from Katie Minnesota, from gymnastics to Bruce Cunningham to Stephanie Jennings, all that and so much more. But we can't do this broadcast without you. If you have people and guests you want to hear, let Alex and I know, and we'll be sure to line them up. Yeah, Greg, you mentioned it. A lot of great uh, guests from within the Eastern Michigan Athletic Department, but also a lot of great people that we've get, we're getting lined up behind the scenes, some alumni that uh, are doing really well right now. And I'll tell you, uh, we have a lot of alumni, Greg, that are not only making a difference in their fields of choice, but are really going above and beyond to help people in this pandemic. And it's certainly no surprise to you and I that people that uh, are associated with Eastern Michigan are making such a difference. So we're proud to bring you some of those. And Greg said it. We've got another keyword this week, another chance to take home some exclusive Eastern Michigan gear. And I cannot stress this enough to everybody. Get those DMs into us on Twitter. Send us those messages on Facebook. Listen, I'm trying to convince people to give us some prizes, and I can't do it unless we've got high volumes of people texting us in, uh, sending us messages and saying, hey, I want that Eastern Michigan stuff. So we've had had two great giveaways so far, and I know we're going to have more to come. So keep listening. In between the Tom Helmer and Malika Willis interview, you'll hear me come on with a keyword. All you have to do, Greg, is listen to it and send it in, and you got a chance. We've I had a some... tough time listening, Alex. Well, it's not hard to, I mean, listen, people are going to get a break from our voices. They're going to get to hear the smooth serenity that is Tom Helmer and Malika Willis. They're going to hear a little bit of that. They're going to get a chance to win a prize. So really... I mean, what a way to kick off 2021. Good way to do it. We'll have a quick timeout and then back at it after this. As always, you're listening to the Eastern Insider Podcast. Be sure to download the Eastern Michigan Game Day app, available in the App Store and Google Play. The EMU Athletics app features live video, real-time social streams, scoreboards, stats, and more. An entire app dedicated to Eastern Athletics. Download the EMU Athletics app today. Back at it, talking a little EMU basketball as we continue with uh, Tom Helmer. First off, the the Happy New Year to you, Tom, and and you and your family. What was it like having an extended layoff uh, the last few weeks between the holidays and COVID? It seems par for the course with 2020. There has been no normality really over the last nine, ten months. So the extended layoff was fine. We were uh, we stayed home for New Year's, and uh, I think everybody in the house was asleep by 10:30. So it was a very quiet evening. I know how that goes. We we were struggling to make it to midnight. And more importantly, everyone's healthy on your side of things. Yep. And uh, we, we know that the teams have had issues, but our broadcast crew has been uh, top-notch healthy the entire time. I got to knock on wood. I'm knocking on wood now. Let's, let's stay healthy. So uh, you get the call earlier this year from Molly Motherwell at WEMU, the GM offering you the ability to take over men's and women's basketball, uh, you have that conversation with her. What was it like knowing that just really a year and a half ago, you, you had no formal affiliation with EMU at all, and, and now you've, you've moved into to rarefied air. John Fountain, Brian Nemirovsky, Chad Bush, and you are the only guys that have called EMU basketball in the last 50 years. The hair stood up on my arms when you said that, too. I mean, it's... It's awesome. 
it's an amazing university to be affiliated with. As you know, I grew up seven miles away from campus. My brother's an AMU grad. His wife's an AMU grad. I've got tons of friends and family that went to Eastern Michigan. And as you mentioned, about a year and a half ago, I had no affiliation with the university. I just moved my family back from Denver. We decided we wanted to be around family, move back home. And then there was an opportunity to call some football. Lucky enough to get that job and work with Matt Shepard and Rob Rubick. And then it just kind of transitioned into basketball. And when Molly gave me the call and asked me what my interest would be in calling college basketball, she probably didn't finish her sentence because I was like, I'm in. I want to call everything. Let's do it. Well, and Tom, you mentioned that transition from football and into basketball. You also have a, a pretty extensive background in baseball, too. So, you know, what is from your experience so far? I know it's always learning on the job and and every sport is different. What are some of the biggest differences in doing basketball as opposed to a football game or a baseball game that you maybe are more familiar with? Well, I mean, I have called a lot of basketball in the past, and I was the voice for the University of Denver men's and women's programs and called University of Colorado games on television when I was working with Fox Sports. Every sport has its own pace and own kind of niche to it. So there is that little transition period when you go from football to basketball. It's a little different pacing, and the way you set up your charts and prepare for games is slightly different. But at the end of the day, it's all the same in that you're calling a game and there's someone on the other end listening and that's the most important game in the country to them and you'd better treat it like that so that's how i approach every game well and for for me personally i've been lucky enough to broadcast a game with you both on tv and on radio made actually both of my debuts with you so uh, of course thankful for you for that but one thing that we've talked a lot about is not only the difference in sports but the difference in approach that there is between TV and radio as uh, of, you know, the, the tone you might have to use to set the scene differently when it's just people listening with their ears, as opposed to watching with the eyes. What are some of those differences for maybe the common listener or viewer that they might not think about until, and no, it makes sense to think about it that way. First of all, you crush it on both your TV and your radio debut. So congratulations. You were awesome. And I think you found out when you called that Bowling Green game with me, the real difference between calling a game on television and calling a game on the radio. On television, everybody can see the action. You're providing supplemental information along with some play-by-play, -play. but if a story or something gets away from you, you're not missing anything because everybody can see it. On radio, no one can see anything. So you have to paint that picture, and you really have to be a verbal artist to make sure that they can picture that in their mind what's going on, and there isn't a lot of time to tell a whole lot of stories because you don't want to miss any of the action. One of the biggest challenges this year has been the simple fact there's no energy in, in the building with no fans, no attendance. A lot of times broadcasts build on the, the energy of the environment you're in. Uh, we opened the year at Michigan State in the Breslin Center, which is traditionally one of the loudest venues that you'll ever go to. How different is it to try to have to bring your own energy to keep yourself up when there is no energy in the building. So the energy now is being able to call a game. As we know, we kind of hold our breath every week through this pandemic, hoping we'll have basketball to call. And we've seen a lot of changes on the men's side. Um, the women have been able to get through pretty much unfettered. But the energy, at least for me, is the blessing to be in the building 
and to be able to call it and try and create that high for the fans who can't be there. Obviously, the audience for TV and radio is going to be bigger at this time because no one's allowed in the arena. So the energy is still there. Yes, it's weird. There's no fans. There's no band. There's no cheerleaders. Uh, we did a game the other day, and uh, uh, a girl's dribbling, and the bench is yelling for her to take the shot, and she doesn't hear them for some reason. And you and I are like, the arena's empty. How could she not hear them yelling for her to take the shot before she got it off? Um, so it's, it, it's different, but we're all in it together. And, and like I said, it's, it, I'm just pumped up when I can show up to the arena every day. So for me, that's that energy you talk about. But I know it's been hard for the players. We, we talked to Rob Murphy after the Michigan State game when you go up to an empty Breslin Center, and he said walking out on the court, it felt like a scrimmage. Probably in part two because he only had seven scholarship players. But it's a weird feeling, but everybody's in the same boat. Other than a game we've called in Bowling Green where there were a few fans, it's been empty arenas the whole way. Well, and for you, you're so used to being down courtside or, you know, for football the last couple of years, you've done a great job on the sideline with us, right up with the players. I know that you take a lot of enjoyment out of being able to be so close and interact almost and see those conversations on that level. This year, for those that may not know, Tom at home is stationed up in the suites, which is not a bad vantage point <laughs> on the road. We were lucky enough at Bowling Green to be courtside, but what's been the difference in that uh, kind of interaction as well? Because I know you're someone too, that, you know, likes to lean over and chime with the referees and get that side of the game. Yeah. So you haven't been able to do that. How, how has that adjustment uh, been different for you? Well, as you mentioned, a little difficulty in that, and that when the referees go to the scorer's table, usually afterwards they would come over and tell me what they're talking about so that we make sure that the listeners or viewers understand what's going on in the court. We don't have that because we're so far away, and we can't really hear any of the chatter that's going down in the court. Um, maybe it's a good thing we're far away because we don't have to wear a mask when we actually call the game, but you and I were courtside at Bowling Green. We had to wear a mask because we were courtside and I realized how much I spit when I'm talking because I felt like I was waterboarding myself. By the end of that game, my mask was wet because it was a tight game. I was excited, and I was just like, it's kind of – maybe it's better to be up high right now and not wear a mask than be courtside and wear one because I, I felt like I was snuffing myself out. I know, but I was drier than I've ever been when working with you. <laughs> it can go either way. You can, be a, you can be a spitter or you can get dry mouth, so you just got to fight through it. I'm guessing it was all the Chick-fil-A that you'd had prior to the game that, that was causing you to, to just be so uh, moist. Talking. Yes. And you got to love the, the, the road trips and Chick-fil-A. That's the one drawback that we haven't been able to do this year is be uh, the family that we are on the road when we travel in, in groups and uh, the relationships that you, you build with your, your either the coaches and or the student athletes. How have you tried to go about still developing those with, with a new set of coaches that, granted, you worked with them to some degree last right. year on, on television, filling in on, on the analyst side on ESPN3, but how has it been like to, to try to, to work with Coach Creighton or Coach Murphy or Coach Castro and not be able to, to physically be with them all the time? Yeah, and that's been the biggest change from a year ago is you can't really be at practice. You can't talk to players. You don't want to get them sick. You don't want them to get you sick. Everybody's kind of walking on eggshells here to make sure that they stay healthy and you don't want to infringe on that. So a hundred percent of the information I'm getting is through Creighton and Rob Murphy and Fred Castro. 
And the great thing is all three of them are fantastic to talk to. We'll give you any information you need and, and make you feel like you're part of the team. That's not the feeling everywhere in, in college basketball and football, but it's certainly a family atmosphere at Eastern Michigan. And so they've made my job real easy this year. And the fact that they've been so available to me that, uh, I can see one of them in their offices and, and, uh, we put on our masks and do our interview and, and I could drop in on them just about any time. And I'm able to get the information I need so that I can give the listeners the best broadcast they can get. Take us inside one of those conversations with the coach. I know obviously you can't always go into full detail about some of the information you're getting. That's the benefit of right. the team's broadcasters. I know they've both built some trust up with you to, to give you some of that inside information, but when you're coming to them for a conversation, is it more questions about specific play types, this type of thing, or what is your goal when broadcasting the game? What are you trying to get out from the coaches? I'm not trying to get plays or uh, schemes so much as I am trying to get some color and background on the game. I'm not a basketball player. I didn't play high school or college basketball. So I'm not going to try and pretend to be an expert on those situations. But I do need information on, let's take the women's team, for example. As they really started the season, where he had eight players on, on, on the team he could use. And then Corian Cardwell has come on in the last two weeks and played some minutes, someone who we didn't even think would be back this year. And then uh, O'Hara, you know, shows up a few weeks. He makes an impact. And now he's got 10 people and I can go to him and I can say, you know, this player here has been, you know, kind of relegated to a bench role. How is she handling it? You know, what's her attitude? And it gives me an idea of what that player is bringing to the table. Same on the men's side. They've been through a lot with, with stuff going on and games being canceled and schedules moving around. Rob Murphy's been a very open guy, but I can talk to him and I can say, listen, you talk to me about Drew Lauder and you know what an impact player he's going to be, and I'm just not quite seeing it yet. And he'll say, well, listen, with all the stop downs, we're not really in basketball shape. We still need like six, seven more basketball practices before we even know what we have. I haven't seen Axel Okongo play a game yet. So it, the team really hasn't been together. We don't know how good the men are going to be. And, uh, but we're finding out how good the, the women can be. And I think they're going to be a really good team. Some people uh, may be looking at the two teams' records and, and hitting the panic button a little bit, saying, as you mentioned, the men haven't, haven't won against the teams that they've seen the Toledos and the Central Michigan Jet. And the women have lost against BG and most recently Kent State. But the thing they're forgetting is Bowling Green on the women's side is 7-1 and one this year, really good. Kent State has won three of the last five East Division titles. On the other side, Central Michigan might have their best team that we've seen, and Toledo's a traditionally a very good team. What do you say to those people that are, are, are panicking right now about their beloved EMU Hoops teams? Let's start with the men's side, and it's been the lack of inconsistency. If you're going through practices with six players or seven players, you can't even scrimmage yourself. It has been difficult for the men to find their rhythm so far in the season. And I would say you, you can't judge the men's team at all. Really, they go up to East Lansing and they play Michigan State tough in that one. They have played tough basketball games. It's just the inability to have the same people on the court for every game and find that rhythm. That will sort itself out over the next couple of weeks. On the women's side, this is an excellent team that I still think has a chance 
to win the MAC or win the MAC tournament. And you look back at the UIC game, that wasn't necessarily a really good team, and it was a young team. But the problem with Eastern Michigan is they've got to learn how to find that kill shot. They get up in games. They did it with Tarleton after playing a tough Gonzaga team. They get up 14 on Tarleton, and then they kind of let off the gas a little bit, and they try and flip into cruise control. You can't do that. Teams will come back on you and make life miserable on you. I think as that message keeps coming across from Fred Castro and that switch flips with the women, they're going to be one of the toughest teams to play, and they rise to the occasion. I think this game with Buffalo they got coming up is going to be awesome. So. I'm not hitting any panic switches. They've played single-digit games on both sides. There's still a lot to figure out and a lot of basketball to be played. Well, and you mentioned just a few minutes ago that you're not a so-called basketball expert when it comes to X's and O's, but you have been around a lot of teams, good and bad. You have a lot of experience with players and coaches. So, you know, on this program, we've talked to Fred Castro and Rob Murphy quite a bit, and we know what they think. We know... Uh, what maybe some of the individual players think, but your voice is still valuable and you are seeing the team at a perspective that many people don't get to see. So from the Tom Helmer perspective, what are those two or three uh, characteristics of maybe both the men's and women's team that you have liked uh, that you think going forward will be something for them to lean on or the reason that they could find success? First of all, you're right, Alex. I'm probably one of the most important people on campus when it comes to voices. <laughs> As well, evidenced by my access card that says other on it. <laughs> exactly. That's right. You, for those that don't know, if you don't follow Tom on Twitter, give Tom a follow at the real Tom Helmer. Uh, he is, or the Tom, at the yeah. Tom Helmer. He posts some great content, including the fact that our friends over uh, at uh, Pierce gave him an admissions card that said, other on it with quite the title. We're going to get that on the website for him. And I don't really like my Twitter handle. I don't love either. There's some like actor or something that has Tom Helmer and he hasn't posted in years and I can't get that name from him. It used to be Tom underscore Helmer. And I was doing shows with Visa out in Las Vegas and Brent Musburger and everybody had like good catchy little names. And mine was just or Tom underscore Helmer at Twitter. And I'm like, I'm just going to change it to the Tom Helmer and see if that changes anything. So it's not a great Twitter handle, but it's kind of what I'm stuck with at this point. As far as the characteristics of these two basketball teams, we'll start with the women. This team could fight, and this team won't back down from anybody. For them, it's finding that consistency and that kill shot I talked about, that when they get up on a team, uh, UIC, they were leading Bowling Green in the fourth quarter. Um, Bowling Green's a team, I said to Fred Castro, I go, were they better than you expected? He goes, they're exactly the team we saw on film. We've got to execute what we do. So for the women's team, it's about execution and, and, and keep fighting the way they are. They got in foul trouble uh, the last game, which was a problem, but Jenna Anacarica went into that game playing almost 39 minutes a game, but because of fouls, they had a revolving door with all 10 players. On the men's side, I don't know what to tell you. We haven't seen the men's team yet. We've seen portions of the men's team. Um, Rob Murphy's always going to put a team on the court that fights and battles. Look at Ty Gross. Ty Gross had to play in the paint almost the entire game against Michigan State. He's 6'8". He was the tallest guy we had in that game. So it was a huge mismatch, but he battled that whole game. So um, I'm looking forward to, I would say, about two weeks from now, we should have a, a much better feel for what this men's team brings to the table. But it may be a blessing this year that the conference is just one 12 team conference and you just have to finish top eight. 
So all you got to do is stay above the bottom four and you're going to punch your ticket to Cleveland and then anything can happen. One of the the challenges that we've seen uh, a lot of schools this year have gone to the remote broadcasts and uh, we have not shied away from the sending you to, to Bowling Green or going to Michigan State, but we've also dabbled in the remote broadcast as well. What do you think is uh, the, the state of our industry, if, if this will be something that uh, things, places will do more and more, is, is not actually send people to, to games that they'll just call off monitors? I, I know you and I aren't in favor of it, but right. it, it is a good option when situations arise, like you have back-to-back nights. And if we're playing at home and the next night somebody's in DeKalb, it's pretty hard for you to get to DeKalb that quickly. Well, the, and the original schedule, too, would have been uh, in Buffalo tomorrow night with the men and then home against Buffalo on Wednesday. So you'd have a lot of travel and kind of do your prep on the move. I, I understand both sides of it. I don't know any announcer that doesn't want to be in the arena, at the stadium, in the ballpark, calling games. But I understand in this era why networks, teams, schools have had to go to some remote stuff. Um, and it just is what it is. The nice thing about this is teams, networks, uh, we, we talked to the equipment guy for EMU. They have found better ways to do certain things. So um, there, there are people that are finding out better ways to do stuff. I, I hope that calling stuff remotely is not the trend. It does certainly take some of the energy and the feel out of it. The only upside is, is when the game ends, you're home in about 10 minutes. So, I mean, there's the plus side on that. But I think for me, that's part of the fun of calling games is, is going places. We went last year to Kentucky for football and we had great Italian food and huge breadsticks. And, you know, we go to go to Illinois and find a cool restaurant there. And we go down to Myrtle beach and, and have a great dinner down there. It's, it's, it's the whole thing and getting a feel for those atmospheres that I think help bring the broadcast home. We're talking with Tom Helmer, the voice of Eastern Michigan men's and women's basketball on 89.1 WEM. You can catch his next, next broadcast this Wednesday when the women's basketball team takes on Buffalo at the Convocation Center, 7 p.m. Tom, you just alluded to a little bit of the atmosphere, and we'll get you out of here on this. Matt Shepard, who you've worked with plenty of times, always tells me that even to this day, with all the experience he has, that he sits down and thinks, man, there's only so many people that get to this job, or there's only 120-odd Division One FBS football broadcasters. That's even more true this year, as we know a lot of our friends in the industry have unfortunately lost their positions, but you've gained this one. I, you're similar in the fact that you have so much experience. Is that still how you feel about it? Absolutely. I'm always appreciative if any team has enough respect for me to give me the honor of calling their games. It's something I don't take lightly. And I cherish every time I can get behind the microphone, television or radio to call games because I know it is such a very small fraternity and there's a thousand people lined up behind you that would love to take your job in a second. So I never take it for granted and I'm appreciative of Eastern Michigan University thinking enough of me to make me part of their football broadcast and their men's and women's base basketball broadcasts. Well, there's certainly no other like you uh, Tom, we appreciate uh, all that you do for us here at Eastern Michigan, all that you've brought to the broadcast this year, and we will look forward to hearing you the rest of the way this season as hopefully both teams can get on track and contend for that Mid-American Conference Championship. 
Looking for a ride? Trinity Transportation has the vehicle for you. From luxurious motor coaches to cozy sedans, Trinity Transportation is prepared to take you to your destination. Check out their fleet of vehicles at trinitytransportation.com or call 877-284-4200 to book today. That's trinitytransportation.com or 877-284-4200. Trinity Transportation, the official transportation provider of Eastern Michigan Athletics. basketball themed edition of the eastern insider and it's also national trivia day so this week's keyword comes from this question what year did emu men's basketball post its famous first round victory over duke in the ncaa tournament if you said 1996 you're correct and that's also the keyword for today send us a message on twitter or facebook 1996 if you do that you're automatically entered to win now back to the action with malika willis Well, you just heard from the radio voice of the Eastern Michigan women's basketball team, Tom Helmer. And now we're lucky enough to be joined by one of the newest staff members in Ypsilanti. It's Malika Willis. And coach, first and foremost, welcome to Ypsilanti. This is your first time on the show. And just how has the transition been? Because you were in not only a unique situation of coming to a new team and a new program, but you did so on the fly right before the season. Yeah, well, thank you, first of all. Um I'm honored to be here. Yeah, it was uh, pretty much everybody always says you hit the ground running when you get a new job, but this was literally hitting the ground running. We came here in the middle of November, had our first game the next week, uh, rolling right into scouts and recruiting and, you know, getting to know the team, finding places to live, things like that. And uh, it's luckily been a smooth transition, but um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Well, and you talk about jumping right in. In fact, I think the listeners will find it interesting. We, we've tried to do this a couple of times. The first time I asked you if you could sit down with me, you said, ah, today's not really a good day. I'm flying back to Texas and coming back tomorrow. So it's uh, certainly crazy to, to have that much travel. Absolutely. It's, it's finally slowing down now. It took a few weeks and, um, you know, the holiday season helped out with, with slowing it down. But now I'm, I'm, I'm all in and moved in. Uh, acclimated with the league a little bit and definitely enjoying getting to know our players. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about your background because it's extensive and, and you certainly have a great resume. But I think one of the questions that people always want to know is why you made the move that you did. You come to Eastern Michigan and certainly someone with your background obviously has opportunities to, to coach in a lot of different places and you know a lot of people. So what is it about uh, Coach Castro's staff in Eastern Michigan that excited you about the opportunity to, to pack your bags and head up north? Well, you know, I got the call from Coach Castro and it was definitely an opportunity and we talked about it for a few days, actually. We had more than one conversation and um, what, what it was, it really was him. You know, the conference speaks for itself. Um, I've always known about the MAC conference. My mother lives in Cleveland and um, just uh, again, I know a lot of coaches in this conference and have respect for them, but the way uh, Cashel talked about his vision, the way he was going after me, I felt like he would go after players like that and does do that, and I can help him in that aspect with recruiting. So the whole sell itself was something that I just couldn't t turn down. Well, and you talk about your background as a recruiter, and certainly you've had a lot of different positions, and one of your jobs here will be to to be leading the charge in that recruiting when you're bringing potential players to a campus or uh, trying to convince them that this is the place 
to spend the next four to six years of their life. I think a lot of people just think, okay, good basketball player, you go recruit them. But what are some of those other intangibles that you've got to look at to, to say, you know what, this person will be the right fit for us? And then how do you convince them that Eastern Michigan is a place where they can grow? Yeah, well, you know, you never want to set yourself up or a player up for failure. So you got to know that they're they actually fit in the system what you're trying to do. You got, you know, if you were a man defense team and the players playing zone their whole career, it's like, okay, that's a, you know, square peg in a circle, things like that. So there's certain things outside of their talent that goes um that we watch, you know, in practices along with um their demeanor and things like that that helps helps fit the fit, you know, but um, talent wise, you know, of course, that speaks for itself. You want to go after great kids that will be impactful and try and help out right away. Um, but this day and age, I tell you, with this pandemic and then, you know, the transfer portal, things change with recruiting a lot as far as evaluating. So we're, um, we're, we're making sure that we, number one, have scholarships to recruit. You know, everybody's coming back, which is a great thing, but also, you know, have to be in a position to be impactful. Seven top 25 recruiting classes you've been a part of. And I know that, you know, no coach will hype themselves up much, you know, and, and that's probably what makes it uh, you one of those aspects that makes you so good at the job. But what goes in to, to getting that much success? And if you can pinpoint something, you know, without I know you won't, again, tout yourself so much, but what is it about you that helps you connect to student athletes or prospective student athletes and their families? Well, you know, that's just what I was going to say, the relationship alone. You know, um, you, recruiting is so much between mail outs and social media and all this other stuff. But when you really hone in and have um, really just deeper conversations with certain players, they're looking for that. And I'm that kind of person because I actually want to know what's going on. You know, I don't always want to talk about basketball. You talk about family, things like that. And then you got to get to know their family. That's the other part. It's not just about the player. Everybody has to feel comfortable with having their daughter, their niece, their sister come to that university. So that's that's really what it is. Um, getting the people, the core group around that player to feel comfortable as well as the player feeling comfortable. And once you get them on campus, I mean, you know, that's that's half the battle. So they agree to come for a visit, then you got to really just sell it at that point. Well, and I can tell you from being here and completing my undergrad here and now working full time, I think you're going to have a lot of good things about this university and, and Ypsilanti to sell. You know, you look at your background stops at Norfolk State, West Virginia, Georgia Tech, Charles <laughs> College of Charleston, Texas Tech, the list goes on and on. You know, it, what about those stops? Is it something where each stop, you gain a little something, you maybe learn what you don't want to do in your next stop. Um, what if, you know, then you see two, multiple different paths. Some coaches stay in one place and build up there. You've moved around. What's that experience been like for you? And how has that made you a better coach as your career has progressed? Uh, I think definitely it's been um, a learning experience. I, I do learn a lot at every institution I've been at. And Again, you take some things with you, you scratch some things, but the other part of it is uh, learning the recruiting in those areas. I've been in a lot of areas and um, and have a lot of relationships with coaches in those areas. But with that being said, you um, you definitely got to take the good with the bad at every stop, and it's it's always a lesson in in what's not being taught. Sometimes you're like, okay, I didn't like this, but there's a reason for that. So I take it all in, keep on moving. 
You talk a lot about the relationships you have to build with recruits, but you have to build relationships with your fellow coaches, but the student athletes you're now here coaching as well. And maybe the most challenging year for a student athlete potentially ever in 2020 heading into to 2021 as we sit now. You are a former player yourself. When you think about some of the challenges that you had to go through, albeit not a pandemic, but how have you been able to connect with the players and what's kind of the the mantra right now in keeping them together and uh, getting them through this? Because I think you'll be the first to say, too, right now it's more than just about basketball. It's about keeping these players health, healthy mentally, physically off the court as well. Yeah, absolutely. I was just talking to one of our freshmen earlier. I mean, we were talking about academics. I told her how proud I am of her because it's something I couldn't do coming right in, doing all online classes and things like that. Um, a lot of outside things going on. I was talking, she just came from a funeral a few days ago. You know, um, it's just a lot going on this year, and I sympathize, take my hat off with a lot of these players trying to juggle everything. But uh, as a player, I mean, it's just, it, it's a different step because for a former player, I, I definitely sympathize and, and empathize with their their mental state and, and what they're going through when they're tired. And you're like, oh, you're not even going to class. But no, you have all these assignments due that you probably wouldn't have if you were in class. So things like that, I mean, it's a lot to take into consideration. They're learning to to go through this change, and we have to learn to adapt and go through it with them. Every time I talk to Fred, I'm convinced that if you were 8-0 right now, Fred would tell me, no, 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 there's there's plenty of stuff to fix. And I know that's in a coach's DNA. So let's talk about the start to the season. Four and four on the year, one and two in the MAC. And obviously you'd like to maybe have a better record than what you have now. But I also know that if there's a time to maybe hit a few road bumps, get those experiences, it's now right before the big stretch of the season comes. Yeah, if you you want to work all the kinks out early. You know, it hurts now, but I tell you, it hurts more later when it's nearing the end of the season and you know you don't have another game left. So right now we just keep trying to make the corrections. Um, you know, I'm working with the post players, trying to keep them focused. And uh, Ray, we're down right now with Ray, but um, she'll she'll be back. But we 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 got a good group going on with them, and and they, I mean, Sonera's playing out of our mind. Autumn's good, getting great minutes, um, and Ray, when she gets back, will be right back in the mix. So things are going okay. Yeah, you say you've got a good group going right now. I would argue that it's a great group <laughs> going right now. Sonera Skeins, we've got to talk about her, and albeit I think the fans have probably recognize the name by now but she's been downright historic she seems like she's adding her name to the record book at every turn um her rebounding ability is just so natural i don't know that i've ever seen a player that just finds balls she's not supposed to find is that been your experience and and really you know i know obviously you're a little biased now as i am being here and and working with these players every day but you've had a lot of stops. Is she up there in terms of that knack for basketball with some of the best you've seen? She really is. I mean, it's a talent to rebound out of area, which is what she's doing most of the time. Um, she's staying active. Um, she's doing a great job. Uh, but, you know, I would never tell her that. So <laughs> that'll be our secret. She still has a lot lot to learn and a long way to go. But right now she's doing a great job. Well, and that's the exciting part, though, right? If she has a long way to go still, what can she be like in a few months' time when it really matters? Exactly. And that buildup, I mean, that that's when you see all the hard work pay off. You know, we're still on her a little bit on where she needs to be when the shot goes up and things like that and making contact. 
but it's it's all going to pay off. I just had a conversation earlier with Felicia Leggett-Jack over at Buffalo, their head coach. I know one of those coaches you have a lot of respect for. I asked her, what are one or two things about Eastern Michigan that you are going to expect when you guys tip it off on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock here at the Convocation Center? And she said, Eastern Michigan is shifty. They they cut well. They move off the bell well. And it's one of those teams where you think you might be able to relax for one second, but if you do, you're down by 10 points. So let's flip that to Buffalo. You've been scouting Buffalo now. When you, when you think about a Coach Jack-led Buffalo team, what's it going to take on Wednesday night to get yourselves back into the win column? Well, you know, uh, she's always had great guards, um, and she has the same this year. They they really create their own shot. Uh, they create for others. I think the X factor is their post players because they're very physical, and they come in and they know their role. You know, they're doing it. They're very physical. They're boxing out, rebounding, defending. So that's the X factor for us. The guards are going to do what they're going to do, but our post players have to match the energy and um, – be able to maintain 40 minutes of being physical. Coach, you're you're here now, and our fans are getting to know you a little bit more. So let, let's go a, a little bit of a deep dive real quick into you. You know, if, if I'm going over to your house for dinner, what's uh, what's Coach Willis cooking up if you've got your perfect meal? <laughs> oh, man. Um, probably some type of pasta dish. I like pasta. I like sauces, and I definitely like cheese. So something with... <laughs> With pasta, you know, uh, I'm a seafood person, too. So if it's seafood pasta, it's even better. Perfect. I I will uh, make sure to book my reservation with you soon, Coach. I think, too, one of the most important things is everybody has something different that kind of drives them. What drives you every day? Uh, I think the path that I'm on, my journey, um, I, I know, you know, back maybe... 20 years ago when I thought about first becoming a head coach, the reason why I did was, you know, I was from Queens, New York in school at Iowa and a whole coaching change happened. And I was like, well, what am I doing here? You know? So when that, that aha moment hit, I knew that I wanted to be there for players. And so I think that's what drives me getting the relationships with players, um, you know, on campus, the retention, you know, keeping them here as well as finding new relationships with players and making sure they're happy because, you know, it's a win-win situation. They get the scholarship, we get the best out of them, and keep going. Coach, we're so excited to have you here in town. We can't wait to see you and the rest of the team as you progress throughout the season. And uh, we wish you all the best of luck in, in your transition and, uh, and as you continue your journey here at Eastern Michigan. We're happy to have you. All right. I appreciate it. Happy holidays. That's Coach Malika Willis with the women's basketball team. You can catch them in their next game on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. They take on Buffalo here at the Convocation Center. Remember, no fans allowed, but you can watch on ESPN Plus where Ryan Woolley and Danny Rogers will have the call, or you can tune in with Tom Helmer on WEMU 89.1 FM. And we'll look forward to seeing you then. Until next time on the Eastern Insider Podcast. Signing off. That's it for this edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast. Thanks for listening. For Greg Steiner, I'm Alex Jewell reminding you to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts or go to SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your digital media to stay connected with us every Monday. As always, follow us on social media for the most up-to-date information on EMU Athletics.